All right. Well, this is the last morning of our ambush series, and I want to talk this morning about parenting. And I don't care if you are a mom, dad at the moment, a grandparent at the moment, a single parent, somebody who hopes to be a parent, or if you are a student, this is going to be for you. And so I want to encourage you as we jump into this, I want to encourage you to take notes uh, because these are, I'm going to give you a lot of information. I realized when I was writing this uh, that this is probably a five-week series and I'm going to try to pack it into 35 minutes. So get ready. Here we go. I'll tell you a little bit about our journey uh, with parenting. I, I got into ministry back in 1988 and I was a student pastor uh, starting in New Jersey and then Virginia. And I was always surprised when parents would come to me with their, their problems, with their kids, and, and just asking me about parenting. I mean, and here I am, this, you know, 21, 22, 23-year-old really kid, and, and I would, would, you know, I remember sitting across from parents and listening to decisions that they were making and things they were saying, and I would just kind of arrogantly, arrogantly think, man, you're clueless. When I'm a parent, I mean, come on, you're really clueless. I mean, this is crazy, some of the things you're doing and thinking and this and that. And I mean, here I'm giving them this bold advice and you need to do this and this and this. And then all of a sudden, something happened. I had kids. And it was humbling. And uh, I I can't tell how many times I've thought over the last, uh, you know, 19 years, man, I'm clueless. I am truly clueless. Well, now that I'm a little older and uh, I've been a parent for several years, I have a college student who just finished his freshman year and a sophomore who's getting ready to go to be a junior. I want to tell you, I I have not figured this whole thing out. Amy and I will tell you that we are a work in progress. We're still growing. We're still learning. But I feel like I'm getting my my arms around things a little bit better. And, um, And I feel like maybe I have some things to say especially to some of you younger uh, parents um, watching and raise your kids um, that maybe I couldn't have said before. But I want to tell you, as I say this, I, I am truly blessed because of God's grace. I, God has blessed me with awesome kids, and I'm proud as I look at Taylor and Zach. I'm just proud to call these guys my sons. I really am. But there are moments when I think back to my earlier years of parenting, and I think, you know what, if I could have just known then what I know now, or had I known this, I would have done this differently. I mean, it is truly grace that any of our kids actually survive our homes. I mean, really. I mean, think about, you know, our home, the home I grew up in, the home you're, grow, you know, you're creating, the homes you grew up in. I mean, and I've got, I had great parents. I mean, when I say had, I mean, my dad died in 2004. My parents are wonderful. My wife's parents are wonderful. But, you know, it's just, it really is amazing. And, and, and actually, I'm actually convinced now that once our kids get out of high school, instead of going into college or a career, we should immediately enroll them in a detox center where they're just given biblical counseling for six months just to kind of clear up the messes and stuff that we've, we've created. But over the years, Amy and I have come to realize this. Because we see a lot of parents, you know, take credit for this or take credit for this or, you know, they, you know, pat themselves on the back. You know, I did such a great job. Look what, no, no. I, we've come to realize that if our boys turn out well, it will simply be, it be, will simply be because of God's grace. Truly, I, I really believe that. Well, we've also come to realize over the years that parenting is a journey. It's a grace journey. It's a journey where God is giving us grace as, a parent, as parents. It's, it's, it's protecting our kids with his grace. He's, he's teaching them by his grace. He's leading them by his grace. He's forgiving us and correcting our mistakes by his grace. And I, and I think the way that God parents us as children is a beautiful picture of grace. 
As I look back over my own life, I just see moments where God just showered his grace upon me when I didn't deserve it, even in the least. And so if our Heavenly Father is showering our kids with his grace and he's showering us with his grace, then what should we be doing with our kids? We should be showering them with grace. We should be leading them with grace. We should be teaching them what grace is all about. We should be ambushing our kids with grace. Now, before I really dig into this, I want to say this, and I'm just going to acknowledge this. Some of you in this room are afraid of the word grace. You struggle with the word grace because immediately you associate the word grace with like soft-heartedness or giving someone license to sin or the void of obedience and discipline or even maybe for some of you it represents a weakness in the way that we live out the Christian life. Well, if that's how grace strikes you, then it just, in my, my opinion, it just simply means that you don't understand the fullness of its meaning. Author Tullian Chavigian says, the biggest lie about grace that Satan wants Christian parents to buy into is the idea that grace is dangerous and therefore needs to be kept in check. He says, by believing this, we not only prove that we don't understand grace, but we violate the gospel advancement in the lives of our children. A yes, grace, but disposition is the kind of fearful posture that keeps moralism swirling around in their hearts. And if there's anything that God hates, it's moralism. So with that said, how do we ambush our kids with grace? Well, first of all, I wonder if you would write this down. We need to give our kids the gift of time. Now, I want you to understand, when I got into ministry in 1988, the only thing that I knew and the things that I learned from the people that I worked for, and I worked for some really great men, was you get, you'd be the first one up in the morning, you'd be the last one to go to bed, you work, 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 and, you're, and, and by doing ministry, by doing a lot of good things, God will make up for all of the, you know, your wife, the, the time you're not with her, all the time you're not with, you know, your kids and this and that. But I remember growing up and watching and you know, hearing that philosophy and even beginning to live that out where I was, you know, I'm by nature a workaholic. And so, I mean, I'm working 70, 80 hours a week and never feeling like I'm ever truly done. And, but I'm watching the world around me and I'm watching pastor's kids, you know, spiral out of control, missionary kids spiral out of control. And I'm going, this doesn't make sense to me. And so when Amy and I had Taylor in 1995, I mean, I just took the same mentality into parenting and, and, and Amy and I both, I mean, she just, we're both very driven people. And I mean, it didn't, we were, if we were on a bus, van, car, whatever, I mean, we just threw Taylor's car seat all over the place and he was on the road wherever we were going. It was like, we were out all the time. Well, then Zach came along in 1998 and this was a year after we started Westridge. And when we moved here in 97 to start Westridge, I mean, it was like what we were doing in student ministry. We, it was like, we just jacked it up on, on speed. And Somewhere along the way, after about three or so years of being here, I'm looking at my kids and I'm thinking, this is not, I I can't sustain this. I can't sustain this pace. And not only that, I'm having severe behavioral issues here at home with my kids. I mean, and for those of you who worked in the preschool in the early years of the church, you you know what I'm talking about. Um, And and, and so I, I just said, something's not right here because I'm, I am pouring myself into this 70, 80 hours a week. And, and God, I don't understand why, my, why the behavior is the way it is and all this and that. And so through a mutual friend, I was able to get a meeting with Andy Stanley. And um, he became a mentor of, my, of mine for many years. And 
the very first meeting I had with him, I had one question written down. And this was the question I asked him. We were sitting in a restaurant in Alpharetta. I said this, I said, how can I, how can I do this ministry? The church was growing and we were getting large. How can I keep this pace? How can I pastor this church for the long haul without losing my marriage and my kids? And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, you need to learn to choose to cheat. I'm thinking, what in the world are you talking about? He said, you've got to cheat in the right places. He said, what you're doing right now is you're cheating your wife and you're cheating your kids for the sake of ministry, for the sake of your work. And he said that, then he said this to me, and I will never forget this. He said, God never promises to make up for misguided priorities. Well, he began, then he began to unpack this in front of me. And for the first time in my life, someone actually not only said this to me, but they gave me license to understand and to, and to believe the truth that my first ministry, my first priority out under my relationship with Christ is my, is my ministry to my wife and to my kids. And that my work, which for me is the church, comes below that. And so, I, I mean, I had that messed up for so many years. And so I remember he, we went back to, he actually wrote a book called Choosing to Cheat. And then he we went back to his office. He gave me a CD that he had just spoken on about this topic. And, and so I remember driving home 400, 285, 75, listening to this in my truck, this CD of this message, tears pouring down my face, just thinking, Lord, I, I have just so messed this up. About a month later, I took our elders up on a, a retreat up in a, we were in a little cabin in Blue Ridge, and I said, guys, I just want you to listen to something, just to see, I want to see how you process this. And I remember several of our elders, tears rolling down their face. And I said, what, tell me about this. And they said, he said, Brian, this is not just a ministry thing. This is, this is for all of us. We're all, I mean, so many of these guys were confessing in front of, we've all messed up our priorities. We put our work in front of our relationship with our wife and or in front of, and, and ladies the same way, I mean, in front of your husband and you've cheated your kids because you put things in front of them and, and made other things more your priority. And so, you know, again, God never promises to make up for misguided priorities. So when I, what we did here at Westridge is we throttled back. We created a work week that was actually manageable. It took me a while to get over the guilt of it. And I also realized that anything, for me personally, anything over 45, 50 hours a week, I was doing out of guilt anyways, and most of it was not my best work. I was doing it, I was worn out, I was tired, and when I get home, I would just give Amy and the boys the leftovers. But when I throttled back to where I could truly engage in my boys and I could truly engage in my marriage, it was a game changer. And you want to know something? My boys' behavior began to change because they had me in their life. So I want to tell you, first and foremost, and because it's so important to me that you get this, give your kids the gift of time because God never promises to make up for misguided priorities. Number two, teach, teach your kids to rely on the character of God. A few years ago, Amy and I sat down and we asked ourselves the question, what do we want our kids to know about the character of God before they leave our home? There's so many things about God. If we could kind of narrow it down, what are the essentials concerning God's character? And here's what we came up with, just four things. Again, there's so many other things, but this was our list. God loves our kids unconditionally, okay? God loves them unconditionally. Number two, they can trust him completely. They can trust him completely. Number three, he will never, ever, ever, ever leave them. He will never leave them. And then the fourth one, which I want to expound upon just for a moment, is that everything they need in this life, they will find in Christ, Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 says this, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also 
are complete. You got that? You are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. The phrase in Christ means that Jesus is at the very center of God's saving activity. And when we put our faith in Christ, we are included in all that Jesus accomplished on the cross for mankind. In other words, not only does God, not only does does the fullness of God live inside of Jesus, but we are also filled with the fullness of God as well. The Greek indicates here that it's not just a contemporary, it's not just a, a temporary condition. This is a permanent experience. That means that there is nothing in our lives that is lacking in our relationship with God. You have been filled up to the brim with all that God is and all that Jesus has. There is no need to add anything to it. Christ is enough. You are complete. And I can't think of a more important truth to teach your kids. The truth that they don't have to go out into the world and try to find their significance in a relationship. The fact that they they don't have to find their self-worth and how good they are in a sport or some academic accomplishment. Because in the eyes of God the Father, because of Jesus, they are complete. Now, there's so much that our kids need to learn about the Bible and God and his character and his attributes and Christian doctrine and and I know that for some of you, and, and even for us, it's overwhelming. Because maybe oftentimes, I mean, we look at the Bible and we feel insecure or inadequate to be able to teach it. But Amy and I remind ourselves quite often that, listen, God would have never given us these kids without also giving us his grace to know how to teach them and also how to raise them, how to teach them God's truth. And I'm also thankful that God has put us in a church for the last 17 years where God has brought along some, some amazing people who have partnered with us to invest in our boys. We've had great student pastors here, great children's pastors here over the years. I mean, uh, it has been an amazing thing. So many people have played a role into shaping who our boys are becoming. But Amy and I know this. It is our, at the end of the day, it's our responsibility. It's on our shoulders to, 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 to train our kids spiritually. When the boys were younger, Amy, I remember she went out and she bought these little Bible story books. They were like a dollar a piece. And they had all of the basic stories, you know, David and Goliath, the story of Moses, the story of Noah, Jonah and the whale. I mean, all of these things. And, and because she wanted to make sure that our boys knew the basic stories of the Bible. And we've, over the years, we've, we've memorized scripture together, just chunks of it we put on the refrigerator. And I mean, we've had hours and hours of conversation of spiritual things. I and mean, we haven't had this list and this plan laid out. It's, a lot of it's just been caught rather than taught, but but we've tried to, you know, do things. But we've also concluded that, that if our boys can leave our home with these four truths about God's character, God loves them unconditionally, they can trust him completely, he will never leave them, everything they need in, is in Christ. If they can leave our home with these four things locked down in their minds, that when they go through the challenges in life or they're tempted to sin or even if they fall into sin, then these things about God, they can fall back in and go, I know these things about God to be true. Now, the next thing I want to tell you, I I want you to listen to what I have to say. Because if you don't hear clearly what I'm saying, you're going to walk out, you're going to misunderstand this, and it's not going to be good. Stop trying, number three, stop trying to raise good kids. Stop trying to raise good kids. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I was a student pastor for nine years before we moved here in 97. Uh, to start Westridge. And one of the things that broke my heart then and continues to break my heart is the fact that a huge number of kids grew up in church. They grew up in Christian homes. And when they graduate from high school, they end up walking away from church and many of them drift away from God. 
I've read statistics even this past week that say that that number is as high as 88% and as low as 60%. I mean, I don't care what percentage it is. Those statistics are just, those things wreck me. And I believe that the reason that so many kids grew up in a Christian home and they leave the church and they even put their faith aside is because they were never truly taught and they never, were under, never, never understood the full depth of the gospel message. Instead, they were taught that God wants them to be good. And that poor Jesus is so sad when they disobey. And that by asking Jesus into their heart, that re- that's the full extent of the gospel message. I remember when Taylor and Zach were younger, we focused so much of our parenting on the word obedience. We even used the word obeyer. Are you an obeyer? Because God loves obeyers. Jesus wants obeyers. Are you an obeyer? Are you an obeyer? I mean, and that, that was, for us, it was, it was the goal because Amy and I, we were raised in churches where the main message was obedience driven by rules. Now, before I lose you here, let me say something about obedience and parenting, okay? There are things that our kids just need to know. I don't care whether you're a Christian parent or a non-Christian parent. They need to learn initial obedience. I mean, your kids need to learn the words no, stop, come over here now, that kind of stuff. I mean, if your kids are, are, if they're running into traffic and there's a car coming, they need to know, stop and come back. Any, anybody can teach your kids that and the kids need to know that. They also need to know social obedience. We need to teach our kids to say please and thank you and since I, I've lived in six different states and I will tell you this, manners in the South are very different than manners in the Northeast and the Midwest. I just, they just are, okay? I didn't even really... I never even knew, you know, yes ma'am, no ma'am, all that stuff until I moved to Texas. And it was mandated when I, in school, okay? Um, good, but, but listen to this. Good manners are not a matter of Christian righteousness. But that doesn't mean that we don't need to teach them. The third thing is, is in, 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 in a pet peeve, please teach your kids how to act in a movie theater. All right. <laughs> Because I'm about ready to go off on somebody, all right? All right, then the next one, civic obedience. I mean, our kids, I mean, children need to be taught to be law-abiding citizens, whether you're a Christian or not. Listen, cheating, stealing, bullying, lying, I mean, all of those things have consequences, and our kids need to learn to obey authority. Now, the next one is, is a tricky one here, religious obedience. Now, our kids... They need to know what the Bible says. They need to know about God's word. They need to know about the, God's commands. They need to know about the importance of prayer and worship. However, this is oftentimes where our parenting starts going off the rail. This is where a lot of confusion in parenting begins because we often at times associate religious obedience with God's laws. This is where our parenting can slide into moralism very quickly. This is where we start creating a standard for moral behavior And then we associate it with whether or not our children is actually saved or in right standing with God. This is where our parenting shifts away from a focus on Jesus and the fact that what he has accomplished is what has made our kids right in God's eyes. And we begin to teach our kids that their performance and their obedience to a moral standard is actually what makes them right in God's eyes. This is where we stop relying on God's grace in parenting and we start focusing on our own ability to raise good kids and our own desire for other people to think that we have good kids. Here's one of the many problems with raising good kids. My definition of what a good kid is may be different than what your definition of a good kid is. 
The school that your kids go to, their definition of good may be different than the school that your kids go to. All right, the, my religious background might define good differently than your religious background. So here's what we do, and, and oftentimes very innocently, we raise kids who either can live up to what good looks like and they become man-pleasers who self-righteously look down on others who aren't as good as they are, or we end up with kids who can't live up to the standards of good that we've created and they're labeled as bad and they rebel. They, they, they just go, I can't, I can't live up to that, so I'm going to rebel. And unfortunately, both grew up in your home, and they may or may not make a decision for Christ, and they attend church while they're in your home, because maybe you mandated that. And then they graduate, and they go off to college, and they enter a career, and they leave church, and they drift away from God. And here's what happens. Out from under your roof. Now, it happened when they were under your, your, in your house, but, but out from under your roof, it really becomes glaring. Because when the world comes against them, which it will, temptation, discouragement, all that stuff, and they wrestle with sin, and then Satan attacks them, and then they deal with the issues of life, things like school issues, and financial issues, and marital issues, and parenting, parenting issues, which is all going to happen, okay? They can't handle it because good is not enough, and it's not strong enough to handle this kind of onslaught, Moralism can't handle that kind of onslaught. The only thing that is going to actually help our kids to be prepared for all of this this, is to teach them that their own goodness is not going to cut it. Their ability to keep a list of rules, it might might win them an award in school. It might win them a sportsmanship award on a baseball field or a football field or a character, all that stuff, okay? But it doesn't make them righteous in God's eyes. Only Jesus makes us righteous in God's eyes. See, Jesus performs so that we would not have to. See, good either leads to moralism and self-righteousness or it leads to rebellion. And it will never please God and it certainly won't prepare your kids for life. The only thing that that, that, that will give your kids the ability to truly handle the attacks of the the world, that that the ongoing struggle with sin that, that they're going to face... The, 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 the attacks of Satan and the issues of life that, that's going to be going on all the time is an everyday dependence on Jesus. Everyday dependence on Jesus. Because our kids walk out of our house and they go, well, I'm good, so I, you know, I, I can walk away from Jesus for a while. I can walk away from his Holy Spirit because I'm good. I got this. I'll come back. Uh-uh. They fall. They falter. They fail. They struggle. They, 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 they end up creating wrecks at times. So instead of raising good kids, we need to raise kids who understand a few things. We need to, they need to understand that every day, every day, they need a Savior. Every day they need a Savior. They don't need a Savior just once at a moment of salvation. They need a Savior every moment of every day. Jesus said it this way. John 15, 5, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, that he... he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. We need to teach our kids the principle of the vine and the branches. Your life is like a branch that's growing on a vine. You stay close to the vine and you get everything that you need to grow. But apart from the vine, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. As I've watched the generations over you know, years of, of living, um, here's what I've noticed. Many of the people in the generation older than my generation um, Many, many of you rarely ever heard words of affirmation from your parents. 
Matter of fact, some of you, you, just, you actually heard that you were worthless or that you would never amount to anything. This is what my, however, my generation and, and the generations below me, this is what we've done. We've swung the pendulum all the way over to the other side. And here's what we told our kids. You can do anything. Within yourself is the power to accomplish anything. All you have to do is believe in yourself and you can do anything. And yet here's what they've missed. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Now I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't encourage your kids. I'm not, I'm not saying to, to swing the pendulum back the other way or, or to not pour affirmation into them. And I'm certainly, please do not tell your kids you're, you're worthless, all right? What I'm saying is we need to be teaching our kids to be desperate on Jesus every day. Every day you need a savior. They need to realize and to rely on Jesus because apart from him, they can do nothing. The second thing is they need to know that true life, true life is found only in dying to self. Now let's go back to the generations for a moment. The generation that older than me, for the most part, most of your focus was not on your kids, it was on your career. But what we've done with our generation, my generation and those younger, we've swung the pendulum to the other side. And my generation and those below me, we're all about our kids. Matter of fact, we're all about making sure that our kids have everything that we never had. And they have it when it comes out. And with our kids, here's what we've done. We're all about healthy self-esteem, promoting everything our kids do on social media. I'm guilty of that. I mean, anytime my kid sneezes and gets an award for it, I put it out there. But if we're not careful, listen to me now. If we're not careful, we end up creating a world of little narcissists that believe that the world is all about them. We raise kids that believe that they're, they, they're entitled to things without ever actually having to work for them. We end up raising a generation of kids who are constantly looking for someone to validate them, someone to, to, to notice them. Because why? Because we've made it all about them. We've made it all about self. And Jesus says in John 12, 24, and not just here, but in other places in scripture, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, what happens? It bears much fruit. How do we truly experience the life of Christ inside of us? We have to die to self. Over and over, the New Testament talks about what? You want life you want to find life, then die to self. True life is found in Christ. Every day, your kids need a savior. True life is found in dying to self. And then when we focus, but, but when we focus, because when we focus on Jesus and we die to self, here's what we also realize. The third thing. Real power in life is only found in a reliance on the Holy Spirit. Our kids need to know that as children of God, they have a power living inside of them, this Holy Spirit that's living, he's he's indwelling inside of them. And when they pursue Jesus and they die to self, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead actually empowers them. Now I want you to listen to a list for a moment. Okay, listen to this list. Sexual immorality, impurity, Lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Now, how many of you go, man, that's the kind of kid I want? Man, I, that's what I, that's, that, that, if, no, none of us do that. Those are the words that are described in the Bible in Galatians 5, 19 21 of someone who is battling with their sin nature. 
Those are the results of, that's, that's our sin nature in, in full swing. Your kids do not have the power within themselves, by believing in themselves, to overcome their sin nature. It's just way too strong. Now listen to this list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now you write down and go, that sounds like the list of a good kid. That's a good kid right there. That's the kind of kid any parent could be proud of. That's the kind of kid that wins awards. Where do those attributes come from? Galatians 5, 22 calls it the fruit of the Holy Spirit. True love, real peace, lasting joy, faithfulness, self-control. You, can't, you can mandate those things on some self-made human-powered list, but those things only actually really come from the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. You can't, keep, you can't produce this. The real part of it. See, when our kids are, are, are unaware of where their real power comes from, they're not only taught to rely on their own power, we set them up for failure. And when your kids are trying in their own power to, pursue, to produce something that only the Holy Spirit can produce, and at the same time, they're just battling their sin nature in their own power, what do you think the results are going to be? They're going to fail. And then they're going to get frustrated and they're going to bail. I, can't t- I tell my boys, and I've told them over and over, that, that not relying on the Holy Spirit's power is like somebody giving you a Corvette with a 6.2 liter engine, 460 horsepower, I mean, beast of an engine, and you get in that car, and then, but rather than getting in, starting it up, and relying on that beast of an engine to get you from place to place, here's what, here's what you do. You push it out of the garage, you get behind it, you push it down the driveway, and then you push it from place to place. You never actually get in and start it up and really rely on that engine to get you where you... That, that, that's what we do when we operate outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. See, every day your kids need a Savior. True life is found only in dying to self. Real power is only found in, the, in a reliance on the Holy Spirit. And then we need to teach our kids to allow Christ to live his life through them. Galatians 2.20, I've been, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live... But Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says that the person that he used to be before Christ that was full of self and sinful goals and pride, it was put to death when he received Christ. And now he says, Here, Christ is now living his life through me. When people see me, Paul says, I want them to see Jesus, not me. Now how does that translate to parenting? That doesn't mean that we, that we don't help our kids set goals or have dreams. It doesn't mean that they can't have their own personal interest or, or that God takes away their whole personality. But it does mean that when Christ is living his life through us, he will be the one that will be directing our goals, directing our personal aspirations, directing our kids' dreams. Your sons and daughters, listen, they're making decisions right now. They're making decisions on who their friends are going to be. They're making decisions on the things that they're going to say yes and no to. They're making decisions on where they're going to go to college, who they're going to marry, what kind of career they're going to go into. And the question is this, what or who is going to be the driving force behind those decisions? Will it be some self-made, self-powered desire to be good? Or will it be a growing dependence on Jesus and our willingness to let him live his life through us? And then teach your kids to live their life so that in all things God will be glorified. When it comes down to it, the goal of our kids, the goal of raising kids is not to make us look good. The goal of raising kids is not for other people to think we're good parents. 
or to even make us proud or, or to promote themselves. It's, it's to bring glory to God in everything that we do. And so, so these, these, listen, the fact that our kids have access to a father who is willing to give them eternal life, but they also have a savior named Jesus who wants to give them direction and wisdom as he lives his life through us. And then as well, okay, here's the bonus. We get a Holy Spirit who is willing to give us power to live victorious over whatever life throws our way. Can I tell you what that's called? It's called grace. It's called grace. And at the end of the day, when your child is leaving your house and they're going out into the world knowing, and you know this, they're going to face attacks from the world. They're going to battle with sin. Satan is going to come after them like never before. Some of them are going to sit in classrooms where they're going to hear everything opposite of what you've taught them. They're going to face the issues of life. What do you think is going to best prepare them for all of this? What's going to do the job? Good or grace? Good? Moralism? Performance? No. Or God's grace, a dependence on Jesus. And so as parents, we get, we get this incredible privilege of ambushing our kids with this grace, with this truth. How does that happen? Well, it's taught, but probably more than anything, it's caught. It's caught. And so here's what, as parents, as grandparents, single parents, whatever it is, here's what we have to do. We have to look back at our lives. If this is caught and taught, but mostly caught, we have to look at our lives and go, am I trying to perform? Am I, or do I realize that every day, every day I need a savior do I realize that true life is found only in dying to myself do I realize that real power is only found in reliance on the Holy Spirit do I understand that Christ wants to live his life through me to direct me to give me wisdom and do I really understand that my life is all about living so that God may get the glory because see when we as parents get this and we live this out we not only get the chance to teach it to our kids, but more than anything else, our kids catch it from us. And that's what we want our kids to catch. A reliance on Jesus. The gospel message, grace. Not good, but grace. I want you to bow your heads. Father, as we raise our kids... May we keep pointing them to Jesus. May we teach them to die to themselves so that they can rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to fill them and empower them so that Jesus may live his life out through them and so that in all things you may be glorified. And so many of us, Lord, we, we grew up in homes where we miss this and Lord, I'm so thankful that it's never too late. It's never too late to get it and by your grace, Lord, it's never too late for our kids to get it. I don't care if they're 38, 18, or 8. You do make all things new. And by your grace, Lord, even with the mistakes that we've made, the things we've done, you've been coming alongside of us at moments and fixing things. And Lord, I'm sure that there's folks in this room, this crowd the size that have never truly put their faith and trust in you alone to be their savior. May you 
May you at this very moment help them to understand that salvation is only through Jesus and what he's done for them on the cross. If you're here this morning, you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ to be your savior. You just, you realize that you are separated from God and you want things to be made right with God. Can I tell you that Jesus has died for you? He's paved the way and he's paid for all your sins. He's done for you what you could never do in your own strength. And he asks you this morning, he offers you this morning the free gift of salvation. By grace, through faith, you can receive that. Just pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, at this moment, by faith, through, by grace through faith, I put my faith in Jesus alone to save me, to make things right between me and you. I repent of my sins. And I ask you to be my savior. If you prayed that, we'd love to know it. You can go to our help center this after, after the service and let us know you made that decision. But can I tell you something? I know sometimes when I, look at me for just a moment. I, I, I want you, I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, Amy and I, we have talked over and over about the things that we've taught our kids and we just went, oh, we got, we, I think we got that wrong. And so genuinely, when I look at my kids and I just look and I go, man, thank you, Lord. You know, I see the good things in them or you know, things that they do that make me proud. I just go, that's just grace. It's just simply grace. Because when they do good things, I could take credit for it, but I also have to do, take credit for when they do bad things. And so um, I, I've just learned I'm just not that good. And so some of you, I don't want you to beat yourself up as you walk out of here. Okay? Because God has the ability to take all of our messes and make them right. His ability to fix broken things. He has the ability to bring our kids back to him. And he has the ability to help you, I don't care how old you are, as a parent, grandparent, or whatever, maybe to start living out and understanding something in a different way than you ever did. It's never too late to start living out the gospel, to truly understand God's grace. Aren't you thankful for that?